We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. You may think that it's the down season in sports, but it's the up season for us. we got plenty to talk about, Matt. We're going to play some fun games here. We're going to take a look back at the first half of MLB baseball. A lot to cover there. The Cubs in a woeful situation, ending the first half uh, in the dumps, hitting rock bottom yesterday against the Pittsburgh Pirates. But, Matt, let's say hello first. How's it going? What are you up to? Any, anything new going on in your life? Uh, just hanging out right now. I'll, I'll be caddying tomorrow. Did you know Ooh, that? You know for that? for so the my, for the big for the big bro for the big brother. He's playing in a uh, U.S. Amateur qualifier down in lovely Bloomington, a town, a town I know very well. What course? Uh, Wybring ISU okay. course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, played we, we got out there plenty. To get the lay of the land. We did get out there plenty. You and I, and uh, of course, he asked me to caddy for him because I know the course well, and uh, we're going to see what happens tomorrow. Beautiful. Well, best of luck uh, in that vein. We definitely want to. We want to get as much exposure here for for the Moose and Runes podcast, and you know if we get them in the USAM, we throw a little Moose and Runes on, on, on the, I think on the collar there. We oh get yeah, them on the on the back of the shirt. We, I think we, it's we a do, collar sponsorship. I like that. Look. It's it's a collar. Yeah, the I think collar, it's a collar. I think our logo collar, looks good on the collar. And correct me, he he's a righty, correct? He's a lefty. No, he's, he's a lefty a as well. Oh, yeah. because we played the one time. Yeah, I'm trying to picture. So mm-hmm. you guys are both lefties. Oh yeah. So we want we want the right collar. You want the front collar. That's thinking. We want, we want That's the right side. Right this isn't the so. first time you've done this, is you? Sold. Sold. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, we're going to jump into it here with some Cubs talk. Uh, I don't know how much of it you watched yesterday. It was on national television. I was watching it here in Bloomington. Kind of excited to see the Cubbies play. And then 25 minutes in, it's 10 to nothing in the first inning. Lester doesn't see the second inning. First time in his career. Uh, did you get a chance to watch it? And what was your impression there from just kind of the limp into the All-Star break by the Cubs? I mean, you know, I... I didn't have it on originally. I forgot uh, they were starting earlier, and I, I was scrolling through Twitter and saw it happened to be five nothing. Then two seconds later, it was nine to nothing. Um, at first, I didn't really think much of it because I had I had thought that they won on Saturday. So I saw the last thing I saw after sa- on Saturday's game was when uh, happened. Schwarber went back to back and yeah. took that two one lead. So I stopped paying attention. Like okay, this is this one the Cubs are going to take. And that, that, that was really the more shocking thing to me than yesterday is when I found out they had actually lost Saturday and they were going to go in two games under five hundred. That's uh, dr- dropping two or three to a team like the Pirates at home right before the All-Star break. It's not a good look. Yeah, the Pirates, I, you could see if it's the Brewers or somebody, but two games under five hundred, like you said, five and a half back of the Brewers that look like, I don't know if I want to call them the real deal yet, but they look like a solid baseball team, and they're already talking about buying, going after guys like Quintana. They have guys on the map already that they want to go after before the deadline. So that's a team that's going to make a push that I don't think the Cubs are going to back into a division championship here. I don't think that the Brewers are going to fall off too hard. They very well could. But um, I might contradict myself later on in the show here, like I usually do. But but the cl- the Cubs do have their work cut out for them, and we've been talking all all season about you know oh where's the panic meter? Should panic? Should the fans be hitting the panic button yet? Should be Joe? Should Joe be making changes? What what should be going on? They're not getting it done on either side of the ball right now. We were talking pitching. We were harping on the pitching. They need another arm. They need two arms. They need someone in the bullpen. But 
when you're allowing 5.5 runs per game, it doesn't matter how the offense is playing. I think that the Cubs here, you know, it's kind of burning at both ends. There's no one issue that they need to fix. There's so much going wrong right now. No, but I, I mean, I, I think starting pitching is something that can at least set the wheels in motion for everything else to get working. Because if, you, if you're, it, go, it goes both ways, but if you're a hitter, and you're going to the plate already down two, three, nothing in the bottom of the first or top of the second. That's that's a tough mindset to hit. With. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm not blaming that for why everybody seems to be in a collective slump at the plate, not named Ian Happ. But that that's a really tough mindset. That that's something that's very tough to do from an offensive standpoint in baseball. Much like in ba- uh, uh, pitching, how it's easier to you know if you're coming out in the bottom of the first pitching with a lead. It's, yeah. it, it's tough to hit. You know, knowing you have to come from behind right away, and I. More even worse than the pitching, it's it's been this first these first innings they've had disastrous first innings. I think it's they've given up eighty first inning runs in eighty eight total games this year, and that's more first inning runs than they've given up in the last two years. And yeah, they're I'm only halfway a, through the season. I'm looking at a at a tweet right now from Chris Kampka, CSN statistician, and it says Cubs have now allowed a first inning run in thirty seven of the first eighty five games this season. So that was three games ago. We know they did it yesterday. So just not a number. That, that you're looking from out of your team. And you make a great point. It does seem like they are always playing from behind. And that puts you behind the eight ball. But the plate approach isn't there either. I understand that affects the plate approach. But Chris Bryant is leading everyday starters right now with a 269 average. That's, that's just not, that's not going to get the job done. No, and, and his power numbers are starting to come around a little bit. Granted, that was helped by that four for five, two homer, yeah. whatever, six RBI uh, game. But before that, he him with runners in scoring position, he's he's just been brutal. I can't remember the exact average off the top of my head, but I think he had going into that game where he went, you know, did two for three, or you know, sorry, four for five with the two homers. He had sixteen homers, but only like thirty eight RBIs. So pretty much all yeah. of his homers were coming with nobody on. Um, yeah, yeah, nobody's really hitting, especially with those runners in scoring position. They're leaving men on base left and right, and that's that's a problem. It's. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up here. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up the cliche, and in my eyes, it doesn't apply. I think this is just poor execution. But how much of this is a World Series hangover? I mean, I think it's some of it, but I I don't really I don't really buy it that much. Yeah. I mean, there, granted, we've seen this in the past in baseball with a lot of these teams who win the World Series not making the playoffs last year. I actually think the last team to make the playoffs afterwards was St. Louis, but. Mm-hmm. I, I just it, it's tough for me in a sport like baseball to buy the World Series hangover. Um, I, I don't see like while while they played more than everybody last year, and it was a one hundred eight year hangover. I think baseball is probably the least taxing on their bodies. And, and it's you such know, a football, large hockey. I think it's such a large sample know, size. Uh, sorry, yeah, it's, no, it's such a large sample size because maybe you get that hangover for the first thirty games, but it's such a large sample size that when you get to this point in the season that. It's hard to say it's a hangover. Football, okay. You only have 16 yeah. games. You drop the first four and you're behind the eight ball. But but in baseball, there's there's you're playing every day. There's such a large opportunity to get back on the horse, to get things back on the right track, and we still haven't seen that from the Cubs. Yeah, I think it's just – I think it's a down year. I don't really – I think the beginning might have been a hangover, and I think that's carried over into this just being kind of who they are for this year. And I'm not saying that's going to be who they are for the rest of, you know, this core is time together. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to be an NL Central, you know, powerhouse for the next however many years these guys are together. But this year just kind of doesn't seem to be there. They're lucky yeah. that the NL Central isn't all that good right now. And while Milwaukee, like you said, they're playing great right now, we're still not really sure what they are. And I'm still not sure, convinced that 
come you know October they're going to be the team leading the NL Central. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're certainly playing that way right now, and if they do add you know a pitcher, who knows what happens. But I think if I'm betting, I'm still taking the Cubs in those five and a half games to win this division. They're just too good not to figure it out to some extent at some point. They don't even have to fully figure it out. I think they got to get out of their own way almost. Yeah, and, just, and they're a great second half team we, too. I think we've we seen su- the last couple of years. This team isn't all that different from last year's team in terms of roster makeup. There wasn't that much turnover, so you gotta. We know where the ceiling is. You, you gotta believe that they could get back to that level of play somehow. But just sifting through the numbers here, Matt, I'm looking at a couple of numbers. Their run differentials dead even. They go into the second half having scored 399 runs and having allowed 399 runs, and that's not going to get it done. No, I, I don't care what division you're playing in. No, Joe. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen uh, Theo was on. Uh, a couple of the radio stations around here. I'm not sure if those made it into articles and maybe write or read, but he seems to be kind of dead set on not making any big moves right now, at least, and kind of letting the team work this out themselves before bringing in outside help. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that's that's the right way to go here? Are you kind of do you think they should go out and add somebody right away to that rotation, or are you kind of like with um, Theo here, I, let them figure it out? Well, I think that Theo came into the season knowing that an arm might be needed. So I, I don't know if that's just his public posturing right now, but I think that the sooner you can get an arm on this team and inject a little sort, a little bit of life into them somehow, the better. I, I really do think they need that arm. And to say that the guys need to figure it out, that might just be a nice way to defer the question. I don't know how what the question yeah. was or how it was posed, but if if you don't think – Theo Epstein's using these four or five days right now to get on the phone with everyone and anyone. I, I think we'd be kidding ourselves. I, I think I tend to agree with you there. I, I can see the lineup, you know, saying, you know, this lineup works. It's good, even though you're shuffling yeah. everything around. It, it, what, you're not shuffling it around too much. I mean, usually the same guys are in the lineup. It's just a different spot, you know, defensively every day. It, that lineup's talented enough where I can see figuring out that this rotation has some serious flaws. When you have Mike Montgomery and Eddie Butler, Granted, Mike Montgomery's had, with the exception of that Brewers game, has been uh, has been pretty serviceable in that rotation. I think he had an ERA in the twos up until that Brewers game. But that that rotation needs help. The lineup, I don't think, is that bad. I think they'll figure it out. But that that rotation, Lackey's not good anymore. Lester's not pitching like an ace. Arietta's not an ace anymore. Kyle Hendricks hasn't been healthy. They need an arm in there. I'm not sure if Justin Verlander is the right one either, but they need one. Yeah, they need the arm, but one thing that was conspicuous to me, somewhat unrelated here, still Cubs talk, but what what did you make of the Schwarber call-up? Now, he's seen a little success since he's come back up. He had a slow first and second game, but he's kind of, I don't want to call it broken out, but had a double, a home run. Yeah, he's. I thought that he was going to be down, figuring it out until after the break. I thought that's kind of the obvious plan, and then they called him right back up. That That seemed a little conspicuous to me. Not that it was an indication of anything, but... I don't know if I agreed with that decision. I think it was – I'm with you. I thought it was going to be after the break that they bring him back up. But I, I think they saw a big game against the Brewers. I think they saw him hitting well down there and wanted to take a chance that he had kind of figured out a little bit earlier and they wanted him in that lineup. Yeah. And it didn't work out. He went 0-4 with two strikeouts in that one. But I, I think it was a little bit – I don't want to say a panic move, but um, you know, a, a pressure move. It's a pressure move. There's some panic, if not with the team and the front office, 
within the fan base. Oh, there's definitely uh, panic within the fan base. Good buddy of mine that I work with here, TJ Eck, he, he is a diehard Cubs fan. And the other day, we had the Brewers-Yankees game on, and he's rooting like it's game 162 for the Yankees because he, he's already counting games with the Brewers. So there's some panic within the within the fan base. I think that's safe to say at this point. Oh, 100%. The, I think a lot of the fans are scoreboard watching already. I got one of, one of my friends who I coach with over at Fennel, who's a Brewers fan, and he's absolutely loving every second of this after living <laughs> he's in Chicago be. the last few weeks. He's got to be. Years. Well, it was the first half from hell for the Cubs. Hopefully they can put that behind them, move forward in the second half because, like we said, there is – a great amount of potential energy on that team, and they just need to break out and, uh, Absolutely. and see it come to fruition. Matt, we're going to stick with baseball here. we got to talk just some first-half impressions. I, I want to get it from you. So right now, with the way things stand, I want you to give me a team that's on the outside of the playoff picture looking in that's going to end up in the playoffs. I want you to give me a team that's on the inside that's going to end up out and I want you to give me your World Series prediction at this point in the season. Okay, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to start with the World Series prediction right now because I think that one's not, not all that difficult. I think it's got to be the Astros and the Dodgers right now. Um, Astros and Dodgers, both, both okay. I have two completely different teams, but really? go ahead. <laughs> my, my one concern with the Astros is their pitching, and I know once you get into the playoffs, pitching is obviously key, and offense tends to you know taper off a little bit, but mm-hmm. that offense is so incredibly good. They're, they're what, 60 and 29. Their pitching has been good enough. And they have the assets to go out and add, you know, a big time arm at the deadline if they need to. Um, the Dodgers are absolutely rolling right now. The lineup's clicking on all cylinders. The rotation's been great. I think Alex Wood might still be undefeated. Uh, Kershaw pitched last night again was dominant. I think I saw. What I love about them too is, is, is their bullpen has just been fantastic. I saw yesterday when I was watching Sports Center. They are, I think, fifty-one and zero this year when leading after five innings. That, they that, haven't lost that a works. Game. That'll get the job done. I, I think that does. And what we've seen in the, you know, the trend the last you know two three years in baseball is getting your starters go. You know, get a lead in the first couple, get your starter to go six, and flip it over the bullpen. Let your you know your two big arms take you. And yeah. they've they've been doing that this year too, pretty much down to a T. They've been perfect at it. So I, I think in the NL they make the most sense. Um, and yeah, Houston's just killing the ball. It's hard not to pick them right now. See, I, I tend to agree with you when it comes to Houston. L.A., until I see L.A. get out of their own way, until I see L.A. actually do it, I'll always think of the L.A. Dodgers as a team that can't get it done. You know, they've had so many great rosters over the last, let's call it, five, ten years, and they've just always fizzled. They've always gotten to the playoffs and become a different team. They've always hit a cold streak. 10 games before the playoffs, 20 games before the playoffs. So I, I'll always have my doubts of the Dodgers. My two World Series teams right now, and uh, we'll have to come back here in about four months and see we'll how, check, wrong, check the tape. how wrong I was. We'll have to go back to the tape. But I'm going to say it's going to be a Nationals-Red Sox World Series. Okay. Um, I think we're due for the Red Sox to get back there. Uh, they're a team with a solid pitching staff that, that knows how to win. You know, all these other um, – whatever other generalizations I can make about the Red Sox. I see them getting there. And the Nationals, I think, is more coming from my heart. I root for Bryce Harper. I root for I root for players in the league nowadays. I mean, I still have my teams and my allegiances, but baseball needs its guys, and I, I really want to see Bryce Harper put that notch in his belt because he's done pretty much everything else you can do in the game. 
at a very, very, at a very young age. So that's more of a, an emotional call there with the, with, with the Nationals. You know, I, I hope you're right on the Nationals because if they do get that far and they make it, that means they went out and added bullpen help, and the most logical bullpen help for them to go out and add from is the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. And I really hope they go out and, and overpay for, you know, Robertson, Canely, Swarzak, two of those three. It'd be because lovely. they need to get – Matt Albers is closing for them right now, and it's not going very well, Joe. Yeah. Um, big lead, I think, what, nine and a half? In the they're nine and right a half. Uh, there, there's so, a lot of big leads in baseball right now. Some Houston's room to play with. got a 16-game lead. Yeah, which is going to make this next question a little bit difficult, but who's one team on the outside that you see making it in? I I'm, I got I, – I'm dancing between two here. One's going to make me sound like a Sox fan homer. The other is might be more logical. But the, the, the two I'm deciding between are the Kansas City Royals and St. Louis Cardinals. Well, you go St. Louis because I say I'm saying Kansas City. Okay, I'll take St. Louis. Um, <laughs> I think like Milwaukee, they got some assets to go out and, and add an arm if they want to. Uh, they're, they're playing a little bit better baseball as of late. Still not great in where they want to be, but they're starting to get a little bit healthy. They're starting to come around a little bit, and they, if they can get those arms going, I mean, they're right there with the Cubs at five and a half. They're a team who historically plays really well in the second half. Just like the Yankees, like the Red Sox, they're, they're, like the Braves, whatever. They're, they're a team that's always seems to be there. They know how to get it done. I, I, I think they're in a in a in a in a year where there's a lot of wide leads and divisions right now, I think they're a good bet. They they definitely do seem like a good bet. On, on the other hand, my pick, the Royals, you know, they're limping in right now too. They just get swept by the Dodgers after winning four straight. Uh, but but this is a team that really took some time to get going. They're I think they're two games over five hundred right now. One now, it's forty four forty three now. One game, pardon me, one game over five hundred. But after starting the season the way that they did. They've shown signs of the bats coming alive. The pitching is where they lack still. They haven't had the best pitching this season. The bats have woken up as of late. Mike Moustakis is belt. I think he's hit 28 home runs or something like that, somewhere in that area. Um, they got him in on the final vote. They just seem like a team that's trending up, trending in the right direction. And uh, I, I think they sneak in one of those wild card spots. They're only a game and a half out of the second wild card spot right now. They... Another team that's been there, that knows how to do it, that knows what it takes in September, October, November. And I think that Kansas City does end up on the inside of the playoff picture. You think they have a chance to catch Cleveland? I don't know. You know, Cleveland's played tough. It seems like every time that that divisional lead gets down to a game, two games, that either Kansas City will get swept or the Twins will get swept and Cleveland's just kind of holding court there. I don't know if they catch Cleveland, but... I, I do think they end up in one of the wild card spots. I think that'll be a fun division race to watch. Cleveland, like like you said, um, seems to kind of be playing level all the way throughout. The Twins and Royals are kind of bouncing back up and forth, you know, with these hot streaks, cold streaks. But Cleveland's not playing great baseball. They seem to have a little bit of a World Series loss hangover going. And, and Minnesota and yeah. Kansas City might be just good enough to make it interesting down the stretch. Yeah, and, and I know, it, like we said, large sample size with baseball. You can't talk about the emotion of it too much, but the offseason that the Royals organization had was not easy on anyone dealing no. with the death of a teammate, dealing with the loss of a player when you're looking at it just from a baseball standpoint. And it, that definitely showed early on, and I think they're finding ways to kind of turn that, I don't want to say into a positive, but kind of use that and, and you know, play for somebody. And they've, they, they seem like they're present on the field again, whereas they, they just didn't seem into it in the early stages of the season. 
I couldn't agree more. And we do see a lot of Royals baseball. That's kind of the the major league that's, team. That's here. the team down there. You got a Triple A affiliate down there little, too, right? We do, but for a little a little perspective, that's that's the major league ball club here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Is mostly uh, mostly. I mean, you see your Cubs hats everywhere, but it's mostly uh, Kansas City Royals town here, deep in the heart of Royals country. That's right. <laughs> that's right, Matt. Okay, so that's that's inside or that's outside looking in. I want one team on the inside that ends up out, and here's where I contradict myself. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say that the Cubs find find their groove and the Brewers end up on the outside looking in because the wild card's obviously gonna come from the West. It looks like this year. Yeah, I'm probably with you there. Um, I, I'm gonna go in the AL since you took an NL team. Uh, okay. I'm gonna say the New York Yankees. Um, I, I think that while they're young and exciting, fun to watch right now, the Baby Bombers seem to be hitting it out all the time. I don't think their pitching's all that great. And I don't think these young kids are going to sustain this throughout an entire year. I think that AL is a very tight race right now. I think they're, let's see, they're tied with the Rays for the first and second wild card. Minnesota's only a game back. Kansas City's only a game and a half back. Texas, I think, is a team that can get hot in the second half. Um, I, I see them falling back. I just don't think they have the pitching unless they want to go out and overpay for a big arm like, you know, Jose Quintana. Uh, he's available mm-hmm. if you haven't heard. Um, I, I think they're a team that falls back. And that, while they're going to be there and they're going to be a very good team in the future, I think this is a year or two too early for them. Yeah, for them to for them to jump and make the big move at the deadline. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you. All right, Matt, one last baseball question for you here. Best thing you saw in the first half. For me, Aaron Judge. Wind those balls tight. Let him hit the ball to the moon. We got a guy and we're counting his home runs. That's exciting. To me, that's baseball. We grew up in the 90s. 98 was the most fun I've ever had. I remember coming home from school. Did Sammy hit one? Did Griffey hit one? Did McGuire hit one? Now, we knew something different was going on there, but... We didn't know it at the time. No. (laughs) There's still... Let me live with that ignorance right now, too, because there's so much fun surrounding, as you called them, the Baby Bombers and Aaron Judge. I think that's the best thing I saw in the first half. Best thing I saw in the first half. I... Man, I'm going to go the other side of the ball uh, pitching here. I, I, the, the home runs, I think, are it's been a lot of fun. It might be the easy answer. Yeah, I'm taking a shot at you. No, um, <laughs> I, I Watching Chris Sale in Boston, man, watching him finally you know, merge on a contender. And granted, he's had these great first halves before, but he's been on a historic pace striking out people there. I think he had 10-plus strikeouts in his first eight starts. And while it hurts me a little bit to see him doing this somewhere else and finally getting the national recognition he never really got over here, you know, seeing him pitch for a contender and you know be living up to the hype every bit of it, if not better than he's been here. Mm-hmm. I, I've been I've had so much fun watching his starts, and I, I really can't wait to see him. You know, in the second half and in October, finally get a chance to you know see that slider and playoff baseball. Yeah, it, it is good to see him succeed somewhere because he he did leave it all here, um, tattered jerseys and all. He, he he gave us everything that we deserved as Sox fans never had the run support those first few starts in Boston it looked like it was going to be the curse of Chris Sale because he had a couple outings where they didn't get him the run support either but to see him doing it like you said on a contender that's that's what it's about you know when Forte left the Bears I mean he did go to the Jets but you know you you wanted him when 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 we knew he wasn't going to be a Bear anymore you were rooting for him to go somewhere where he was going to succeed because those players do take on an emotional meaning in our sports lives the chris sales the matt fortes the uh, if you want to take it way back when when big hurt left for me that was like a moment that was tough so, that was tough yeah but uh yeah definitely a good one there with, with chris sale um it was a fun first half i think baseball is in a good place right now i think that um all the conversations of 
replay taking too long and all the conversations of pace of play. I, I don't feel like we heard that as much this year. No, it seems like the, well, those those two aspects aren't quite perfect yet. They seem to be at least getting a little bit better. Yeah. Um, also, I'm not sure. Speaking of pace of play, if you saw this, Kershaw started for LA yesterday, went nine and had a two hour sixteen minute baseball game. It, that's a that's, beautiful thing. That's, that's, that's Mark Burley like. Bring me, bring me back to the Johan Santana, Mark Burley hour and a half matchups. Like that's that's good stuff. And that's I, I still remember being at Burley Sale. I think it was last, whatever last year, two years ago, when Burley was pitching for Toronto, and those two went at it and had like, and it was like a two hour five minute game. It was fantastic. give me the ball and let me throw it. Exactly. It's, it's outstanding. But, uh, yeah, good first half for baseball and uh, should be an exciting second half. Hopefully, Cubbies can turn it around and uh, the, 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 the Sox maintain a seller's position. They're not – they suck. I know. I know. I know. I know, but I just don't want anything stupid to happen. They're uh, not. They're going to sell. A, a quote-unquote deal we couldn't turn down. He's a piece we see for the future. All the other BS sayings that we hear when someone makes a rash decision. Who do you think is – by July 31st, gone off this roster? Off the Sox roster by July yeah. 31st? Who should be and who do you think is? Jose Quintana. Go get what you can for him right now. Do not wait. Because at a certain point, an asset depreciates. And I think you have Jose Quintana at, at a point where, I don't want to say he's at his best right now. I think we've seen better from Quintana. But I think on the market, this is the most you're going to get from him. Next wait, year, wait, you wait, don't know. Wait. Are you talking about Jimmy Butler or Jose Quintana? Jose Quintana. <laughs> I know. What do you, oh, because our depreciating come on, asset. Joe, get my joke. I'm sorry, Be Matt. Last, last year or last week, you came at me for for saying the wrong Car Brothers name. So I don't know where <laughs> you're coming from. You could That's be coming true. from a different angle, Matt. But uh, I no, finally I guess, got you I guess on your is, I guess that is applicable to to both the Quintana and the Jimmy Butler situation. We saw it with Jimmy Butler, and the asset wasn't depreciating. You were fine. You didn't have to move him. This is kind of the flip. Flip side of that. Mm-hmm. I think Quintana, an arm, a pitcher, you have those few years where you can really market somebody, and we're in that sweet spot right now for Jose Quintana. He needs to be gone by the deadline because uh, there are buyers. There's there always going to be buyers, yeah. but it seems like there's multiple buyers where you could hedge people against one another, where you could kind of get the most out of them. Say we have a couple offers from a couple different places, then you get to make a decision rather than being – in a rock between a rock and a hard place and having to make the decision with one other club and trying to squeeze something out of them with no leverage. There's leverage right now. I will say, while I think Quintana should be gone by July 31st and would like him to, I think there's also, if the proper deal doesn't present present itself, we did see last year with sale in the off season, they got every bit of his worth back. Yep. I yep. think the guy, couple of the guys you need to see gone by July 31st, David Robertson. I think he's only got what two years left on his deal. You got a team like Washington who's desperate for bullpen help, and, and every playoff team's looking for bullpen help because that's what wins playoff games now. Yeah. Uh, Melky Cabrera's contract's up at the end of the year. He's a veteran switch hitting hitter who knows how Just, to hit. Who knows how to hit? You know, both. I'm sorry, both sides of the plate. Uh, he, he's got to be gone. He plays a solid left field too. Todd Frazier probably shouldn't be here anymore. He's finally starting to get hot, and I think he's, his average is bumped up from 170 to about 220. So, it, well, the average still doesn't look great. What he's done in that time to get it up there has been has been nice. The power numbers coming around. I think those are the three guys that really, absolutely have to be gone. Uh, there, there's Rooney, no reason for them to still be here after this year. Matt Rooney is in full blow up mode, and I love it. Why well, you got to If you're going to do this, you got to do the it time. right. I mean, there's yeah, no reason. That, the time. There's no reason to let Melky play out his contract here and let him walk for nothing. I don't think they're going to sign him to another year. Uh, yeah, sign him again after this year. There's no point in it. 
get what you can at this point. Yeah, and for, everyone's looking for not everyone, but a lot of people are looking for a bat, you know, power hitting bat at third base. And Todd Frazier does that. There's not many of those around the league. And a team like Boston, who doesn't really have much there right now and has that short torch out and left, could really use yeah. Todd Frazier. Yep, could be could be a good piece to move. But uh, Matt, I, I, I I'm happy with my job. I'm happy uh, doing these podcasts. But I'm seriously thinking about quitting everything, dropping it all, Ooh. and just getting a thousand jumpers up a day and trying to sign a contract somewhere because these guys are getting paid in the NBA. I know we talked about it a little last week, but James Harden re-ups, Gordon Hayward gets his contract, Boston gets their guy. Just the climate right now in the NBA is everybody's eaten, and and it seems like it seems like a good uh, a good job to have right now. It just seems the, uh, stable. A stable, a stable job, job to be to be the twelfth man on a bench somewhere. I still think I could do it. I might not bring much on the court, but I can hit. <laughs> I, I can hit a three if you give me you know about five seconds wide open space. to get the ball, kind of get my footing. I, I can knock down that three. You just want you just want the swaggy P contract in Golden State, right? I do. I would love that. Just let me right. do that. I can do it. Well, Matt, we're going to refrain from talking numbers here and getting into free agency any more than we did last week, but we're going to play a little game here. It seems like. The NBA is in full banana boat mode. Everyone's trying to go get somebody. Everyone's trying to find their best friend because those are the teams that are contending right now, Matt. I want to hear who's on your banana boat. Four people, you, three professional athletes, living athletes. Who are you taking on your banana boat trip? You're not, you're not putting a team together. This is an off-season vacation. I want to know who's on your boat. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to draft banana boats. How's that sound? I, I like that. I, I like the draft idea. I think going back and forth here might 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 inspire some debate between the two of us. I like. And that. I think I sometimes like we are sometimes we're on the same wavelength. So it'd be interesting to see if we have any any guys that I wanted that you took. So so with that, I'm going to give you the honor. You have first selection in the 2017 banana boat draft. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I have, I got the three names obviously here that I want. I'm gonna take the one that I think you're most likely to take. Don't do it. I'm gonna take Ricky Fowler. Oh, he's he's on my list. I he knew wasn't it. I, he wasn't gonna be my first pick, but he was on the boat. I was, he was going on to the banana honestly, boat. Joe. I was going to defer the first pick to you, but then well, that's I kind of got to thinking while you were talking there, and I was like, eh, Joe might have Ricky on his. Ricky um, Fowler off the board. I need you. Yeah, give me a little reason. Uh, you know, what does he bring to the vacation for you, Matt? Uh, well, from from what we've seen from Ricky, he he likes to party. Uh, he seems Loves to, it. He, he's he's a great golfer who likes to seem uh, like seems like he likes to have some fun on the golf course with the golf clubs on the vacation, not just playing golf. Uh, he's loaded. Okay. He's got a lot of money. Not something that I have. True story. Um, <laughs> and he, just from the the Snapchats you see with him on vacation with those guys, he he seems like a fun guy. I I, yeah, he, I like Ricky. You get the tequila rolling, seems like you can get a little loose. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Ricky guy. Ricky Fowler, the first overall pick in the 2017 Banana Boat Draft. He's off the board with the second overall pick. My first Banana Boat member, Julian Edelman. Okay. I, think that, I think that Julian Edelman, you know, he's got, he's got a winning pedigree. He could go beard. He could go no beard. He's always got a fire haircut going. The ladies love him. He's gonna he's gonna bring he's gonna bring the females around. He, you know he knows how to party, whether it be at, at a Harvard fraternity, the Kentucky Derby, on a beach somewhere with Victoria's Secret models. Julian Edelman is an asset to any guy's vacation. He's my first pick. Okay. I like that. I like that pick. My second Edelman. pick. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Kyle Long. Um, Kyle Long, I, I, I need, a local selection. I, I, need, I need to bring some some big men into this show. Okay, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big man myself. I got to throw the big men. A loyalist, up. a big Ky- man loyalist. Kyle Long, he, he seems like a guy who knows how to have some fun. Um, he, I just, I, I got, I had to bring a big man into it. And he seemed like the most logical choice to me. Plus, he's a bear. Bear down, Joe. We're going to the Super he's Bowl. He's a bear, and he, he's not above it all. Kyle Long, no, he gets Kyle it. He's Long down to earth. He seems guy. like a guy who we could hang out with, but also wouldn't mind having fun at that party scene too. Yeah, like you, you might see him, you might see him at at the club, or you might see him at uh, Kincaid's. Like it could be anywhere. Kyle Long, Kyle Long can can go down in the muck with him and have a good time. I, I like that pick a lot. All right, so that's your your second pick is Kyle Long. So right now you're sitting with Ricky Fowler, Kyle Long, who might weigh down the banana boat a little bit. Well, that's that's why respect. I went with Ricky because he's a little bit lighter. So gotcha. It evens things out a little bit. Gotcha. All right, my second pick. Kind of for all of the same reasons as my first pick. Um, I'm going to go with maybe a sleeper here, but but just a rap sheet uh, on him. Chandler Parsons is going to be my wow. second overall pick. Yeah, a that is, a, that is not a name I saw coming. Google Chandler Parsons and check out just the starting lineup that we're dealing with. He again, we're talking NBA money here. Um, he's. He's dated the best. He's dated the worst. Chandler Parson is, if not the, one of the top ladies men in the NBA right now. I think he brings a lot to a vacation. Another wild card who's down to either go to the, go to the beach, go to the club, go to the dive bar. He'll, he'll do it all with you, Chandler Parsons. So right now it's me, Edelman, and Parsons on the banana boat. Okay. I'm I'm gonna this this one's a wild card that I don't think you were gonna see coming or really anybody. Um, okay, but I, I I was I was trying to think, really trying to rack my brain and not pick any obvious ones or the most obvious ones other than Ricky because that one was kind of a layup. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with Chris Versteeg, former Chicago Blackhawk. <laughs> I think you're gonna say Chris Broussard. No, <laughs> with sources say Chris Broussard. Well, be you, you need a source guy on the banana boat. What if news breaks, Joe? <laughs> Chris Versteeg, very obscure. Taking, taking Chris Versteeg. Uh, obviously, he's he's won those two cups here. So firsthand, we've we've seen a little bit how much he he's going to try and rap, and that's going to ruin everything. And, but he's also he, he's he's the guy who's there. He knows how to get the party going. And if 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 you know it's it's day three or four of the vacation, and then everybody's a little bit like, hey, in a little bit of a lull, you know, been been sipping a little bit too many road sodas and you're not feeling great. He's a guy who I think can get everybody going a little bit, get the people going. He, he, he's, he's the music guy, loves, loves getting those playlists together. We saw uh-huh. those pictures of him in Vancouver in the limo with the shirt off, so you know he likes to party. Yep. Christopher Steak. So I, I wasn't going to put it past you, Matt. I was going to say this this roster can't not have a black. No, that it was, honestly, yeah. I, I knew it had to have one. And that there was, no, there was no way. That one made so, no sense to me. My thought process here in selecting my third – pick third and final pick in the 2017 banana boat draft you need a glue guy you need someone that's going to bring everyone together because you've got different big personalities you need someone that's really just going to smooth everything over and have a good time doesn't matter if you're getting in a fight or if you're sitting around the table playing cards he's going to be there to kind of calm things down i have I'm between a couple guys right now, so I'm going to give you my honorable mentions right now. Oh, okay. You know, we didn't know we're playing the honorable mentions. I'll make, game I'll here, make my pick. I'll make my pick, and then we'll go honorable mentions. Glue guy needs to be on the banana boat. One of the most legendary partiers of all all time, John McEnroe. 
I'm putting John, Johnny, Johnny Mac. Mac. He's been in the news lately. He's he's in vogue right now. But I think that Johnny Mac, you know, he's got that old guy mystique about him. So he can he might he might kind of help you assimilate into different crowds, not just the young hottie crowd that maybe Edelman and Parsons are going to have you in. So I think John McEnroe is the perfect addition to my banana boat. My honorable mentions didn't didn't make the trip, but maybe on another trip. J.R. Smith. John Daly and Patrick Kane. I think that's a whole other banana. I, I right had there. I had John Daly on my my honorable mentions as well as well as uh, I had John Carlos Stanton on my honorable mentions. Ooh, I think okay. He just signed that big three hundred million dollar deal. He, he's you know he's, he's you a know, Miami guy. He's you know, the toast of the town in he South can maybe Beach. Host the vacation down in South Good Beach. Call. And yeah, he's he's Good he's, call. he's exactly he said toast of the town down in South Beach. He just signed that three hundred million dollar contract, so he you know he's got some money to throw around too. Um, so uh, plus he hits the ball really far. So final, Chicks dig so the long ball. They do. Final votes here. I say we do something fun here, Matt. We're going to tweet from the Moose and Runes account in a couple minutes here uh, a poll. And we want you guys to vote on the poll. Who had the better banana boat crew between myself and Matt? Matt, read off your crew again. Who's on your, who's on your boat? I have Ricky Fowler, Kyle Long, Chris Versteeg. Okay. Some sleepers there. And mine... <laughs> was Julian Edelman, Chandler Parsons, and John McEnroe. So, yeah, you had we, some sleepers there too, Joe. I don't think we, Chandler we Parsons the, was seen coming. I'm saying get on Google, jump on Instagram, see what my dude's about. He's going to be on every vacation moving forward. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that was also a sleeper. You're not, I'm, not, I'm not the only one throwing out sleepers here. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to try and get that out on the Moose and Runes Twitter account. You guys, we love your feedback. Thanks for the uh, mailbag questions this week. We're going to get to those here in a couple minutes. Um, but that was uh, the first annual 2017 Banana Boat Draft. Is that mm-hmm. what we're calling it? Yeah, so now, now we have a couple annual events. We have our Moose and Runes we, Spelling Bee. Spelling Bee. We, we gotta have get, the Banana gotta... Boat. Are you and are you by any chance taking down the dates that we did these so we no, can figure it out? Yeah, we'll go back to it. We'll we, go, like you said, we'll go to the film. We'll go to the yeah, film. Yeah, we'll check the tape. We'll um, check the tape. You know, it's it's the summer. We'll just figure it out. Spelling bee is easy. We just do that every time we see it on TV. You said it, Matt. It is the summer. Uh, the sun is shining here in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's ninety five degrees. It's been absolutely tropical out here, uh, minus the beaches. I really got no complaints other than the humidity, but you have you have a small grievance for us today? Small grievance for us today. Hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Joe, like you said, it, it's it's the summer, um, and the, this last night I got home from work a little bit late, and all that was really on still was Sunday night baseball. Um, now we're in the All Star break. There's nothing really going on here, nothing to watch on TV. Joe, I need football back. I really do. Um, I hear you. It's it's just Sunday night baseball doesn't really do it for me for Sunday night television like Sunday night football does. Saturday morning, I got nothing on. I want to wake up and watch college game day and sit on my couch for seven hours watching football, just like every other American. I want to wake up on Sunday and watch the Red Zone channel. I can't do that in the off season. Football, I know it's <laughs> I know it's safety and they need to have long off seasons and let everybody get back, but they need to figure out a way to get me more football. That's I mean, have the Red Zone channel re-air like week six broadcasts or something every Sunday. Give me a re-air of of. of NFL week from last week. Give me some way to watch more football. Come up with another league. 
Air the spring league or whatever it is. Like and, like the NBA is doing with three on three basketball. I just need more football, Joe. I need I, more I can... football. The basketball and, and hockey playoffs are over. Over baseball's in the midseason low right now. Bring me football. So so what's our solution here? If we're gonna go if we're gonna go with the similar uh, uh, you know the similar way that the NBA dealt with things here, and I know it's not affiliated with the NBA, but you got your big three. Yeah. Some. Some old guy seven on seven tournaments is that, or, is what's that, it, that enough? I, I, I forget you? what they call it, but it's that it's that spring league or whatever the hell it's called. And it's basically Where Vic was playing quarterback the other day. Or yeah, something. It's, it's like four or five teams basically, and it's old, you know, either college undrafted kids or you know former NFL players trying to get back into it. It's just just let me see that. I know it's not going to be great football, but it's football, and I want to watch it. Like find a way to get that on TV. Give me like yeah, give me an old guy seven on seven league, an old guy seven on seven flag football league. I'd watch the or, hell out of that. Or do we move the whole news cycle up? We start football in July, camps and everything in July. Everything gets bumped the week earlier, and then the owners can have their 28-game seasons like they want. Hey, you know what? It, sure, the concussions might become a little bit more of a problem, but we both know those aren't real. So, yeah, I'm yeah, all for it. You might have to start paying these guys uh, some of those basketball contracts if need be. Probably right, but uh, but Matt, I do agree with you. It, it, we are in our lull right now. We're close too. Makes, we're at the point where we can like we can see the football yeah, light at the end it, of the tunnel. But it only it, makes it only makes kickoff that much sweeter, Matt. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> bright side, if I can be selfish for a moment here, bright side is uh, Huskers are starting in the last week of July, so they're starting a week early this season. So we're going to be fully geared up on football come July, I believe, thirtieth. I'll give you here? I'll give you our full breakdown in a couple of weeks, but um, keep your eye out for Tanner Lee. He's going to be the starting quarterback this year, a transfer from Tulane. He's got all the tools, went to the Manning passing camp. He's a pocket passer with a little bit of mobility. He's going to be fun to watch. I don't know if he has the O-line to get it done. I don't know if he has the targets to get it done. And the defense is switching scheme from 4-3 to 3-4 this year. It's going to be a rocky season, if you ask me. I don't know I don't know if this team can contend with the likes of Wisconsin and Northwestern in that, in that side of the bracket there, or that side of the division, but okay. um, that side of the conference. Um, but... There are some things to watch. I think Tanner Lee is a NFL talent. He's got that type of game that that any NFL coach would like to get their hands on. Big arm, nice kid. So that's what we're going to be watching here in, in Nebraska. Like I said, I'll give you our full Big Ten breakdown as we get closer to the season. But uh, might be a rocky one with the Huskers. Um, a lot of a lot of losses last year to graduation. Yeah, I was going to say you're going to you can give us the Big Ten breakdown because you're so close. I think we. You, in the coming months here, maybe some, some conference-by-conference college football breakdowns. Love to, to do it. A, give us an excuse to talk football because yeah. you know we're always looking for one. All right, Matt. Well, uh, let's take it to the mailbag here. You said we had a good mailbag question? We do have a good mailbag question. Uh, let me okay. let me pull it up here if you don't mind. You got it. It comes from a uh, friend of the podcast at RG10. Mount Rushmore of Chicago restaurants. You need a pizza place, beef place, hot dog place, steakhouse. Oh, so just your top one in each one yeah, of those. Yeah, those are those are your Mount Rushmore of Chicago food steak, probably items there. Steak, pizza, beef, and hot dog. Yep, beef and hot dog. You know, sometimes they might come from the same place, but for the sake no, of they the shouldn't. Argument. They shouldn't. Okay. Wow. All right. Wow. In order, steak. It used to be. I used to. T- I, I would say Chicago cut Gibson's. I had the best steak I've ever had in my life. 
about two months ago at Swift and Sons in the West Loop. Best steak in Chicago right now. I say Swift and Sons for the steak. Okay. My steak is, you, you said it, Chicago Cut. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm there decent amount, and I just I don't think I've ever had a, a better steak than that one. Can't go wrong. No. Can't Cajun, go wrong Cajun between ribeye, the two. Cajun ribeye, Joe. Cajun a, ribeye. You're an animal, Matt. I know. Let's, let's move to pizza. You hit me with your pizza first. I'm gonna t- I think this is the easy one, so I'm going to take it before you can. I'm going to go Malnati's. Um, while, while you can't go wrong with a deep dish option in the city, I hate when people say, like, this one's so much better than that one, or Giordano's is trash. No, no it's not. Pure They're all pizza is all fantastic. It's deep dish pizza. It's delicious. Just Malnati's does it a little bit better than everybody else. That's all. See, but even when I think I'm of, I'm of the thought that deep dish pizza, I know it's Chicago style. You call it this and that, but I probably have thin crust deep dish 80, 20, maybe 90, 10. That's fair. When it comes to my pizza breakdown. So I immediately think what's my favorite thin crust slice. Malnati's does a great thin crust. They do do a good thin crust, but doesn't hold the candle to Armand's Pizzeria. Okay. The original was in Elmwood Park. They're now in Elmhurst. They're all over the place. Armand's Pizzeria can't beat it. Armand's does make a good pie. It's a great jo- pie. Joe, all right. Joe, I think we're going to be on the same page here with beef. Beef, you want to say it on three? Yeah, go ahead. One, One two, two, three. three. Johnny's, Johnny's beef. beef. Johnny's Johnny, be- it, Wait, hold on. Try that. Jo- jo- Johnny's, Johnny's beef. Be- Johnny's beef. <laughs> There's no question. There's no argument to be had there. Combo, juicy, no peppers, small ice. You, you get some people. You get some people to bring Al's into the conversation. Al's does, Al's does the peppers wrong. Their Just beef is greasy. It. It's a Johnny's town. And if you hadn't had Johnny's, get there on North Ave and what is that? Seventy fifth, North and seventy fifth. Seventy fifth. Used to ride my bike there every day as a kid during the summer. Days, days quite like this, Matt. Joe, that's like half the reason I still coach at Fenwick is so I can go to Johnny's after practice. <laughs> Proximity to beef. It, it gives me an excuse to go to Johnny's without having to drive all the way out uh, there from my apartment. Um, have you – now, now, obviously, you gave me your order there, and I didn't hear any grape soda. The grape soda there is – I don't know. I, I go, a religion. You need to try it next time. I'm not a big They got the small little – they got the small little pebble ice. It's refreshing. I do love that. I love that ice. That's great. It's ice. it's it's the it's delectable. So Johnny's usually beef. I, usually, what uh, I go with is I get. I, I'm not a peppers guy. I just get the combo. I go juicy. I don't get any peppers on it. And then I get no I get, sweet. I, I go see. I go. I go combo sweet pepper. Everyone like to each their own on how they customize the sandwich. I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna criticize there. Um, they, I, I gotta go small ice though because what happens with me is I get that small ice and I usually have a little bit of a car ride back to wherever I'm eating said sandwich. So I have to get uh-huh. the ice down in the car, go dessert first, then Love go to the sandwich. Yeah. Love it. Like I said, Matt, you're you're an animal amongst I, I amongst amongst bipedal human beings here. I'm unique as um, a system. You are. Well, this leads us perfectly into the hot dog. Some people would say Johnny's beef for the hot dog. They do a good dog. They do. I know we got we got some friends in the podcast who love the Johnny's dog, but I have a better dog. Uh, dog day afternoon, just a couple blocks away from Johnny's in the old neighborhood, right in Galewood there, on the corner of that's uh, the old corner of Harlem and Armitage. It's a oh. small little trailer-looking spot. Matt, if you haven't had it, it's the best dogs, and I'd say I'd put their fries up against any fry in the city as well. I'm going to – this one's tough for me just because I feel like everyone has their own little hot dog joint, and they're pretty much all so interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, think I don't think there's one that does it you know, this much better than another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go actually with uh, with 35th Street Dogs right outside U.S. Cellular there. Okay. Um, it, it's a nice little hot dog joint. They do the you know they, they wrap the fries up in there with the dog. It, it's 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 your standard hot dog joint 
you know, setup where you walk in, walk along the counter, get your stuff, eat outside. But it's a nice place to maybe grab a cheaper dog outside the stadium so you don't have to get, you know, four hot dogs when you go inside the cell. And, and it, it, it's good stuff. Hot dog is all attention to detail. Plus, you know? they, plus they give you the park. You can park in that lot for like 20 oh, bucks. Oh, beautiful. Like, it's like 15 bucks. You can't uh, beat it. Then. It's it's cheap parking. It's a good hot dog. It's good. Uh, you know, you know the Musos have the Chicago parking connect when it comes to when it comes to U.S. Cellular, when it comes to United right. Center, or whatever they're calling U.S. Cellular now. But you know, we got we got guaranteed parking on uh, on lock. You care to elaborate yeah. on that? You know, maybe maybe off the podcast. If you got good, a guy, you should you good. Know, for, we got a guy. If you got a guy, Jimmy, you should let me know the guy because I, I would Jimmy, like to think we're guys by now. Jimmy Georgellis has been a friend of the family for a very long time, so that's that's we're gonna leave it right at that. That's a name. That is a name. That is a great name. Um, now, now, Matt, this is this is something. It's important to note where this question came from. RG10, Rob Gallick, obvious friend of the podcast, Southsider to the to the day that he dies. So we gotta. I I know he's gonna be mad that we didn't mention any Southside establishments. I guess you could say the Thirty Fifth Dogs. Yeah, yeah, a little bit there. But uh, Vito and Nick's does a great pizza as well down on the South Side. Uh, I think he, I think he'd tell you Pops Beef would be his, his, his beef. Pops spot. Beef. Well, that's that's never been there. He needs, yeah, to, he's, needs to get his ass to Johnny's. I think I think he, he does go to Johnny's when my mom cuts his he, hair. He, he does. He's, he's been to Johnny's, and while he, I, I think he knows it's better. He's just yeah. one of those guys who's never going to admit it. Southside tough. Is fine. That, that's fine. Southside tough. Exactly. He's never going to admit the pain. You know exactly. But yeah. he knows. He knows. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to RG10, and thank you to everyone else for sending in your mailbag questions. We love to play around with fun topics like that, such as. Chicago food Mount Rushmore's. We love nice. that type of stuff. Thanks for getting in. And uh, we're also going to ask you, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it later, but we got a special guest coming on the podcast next week. Uh, David Kaplan of CSN Ultimate Chicago, friend of the podcast. ESPN 1000, gave Matt and I our starts in this business. And uh, we got him on next week on the podcast. And we're going to want some fan questions from you guys for Capper. I'll remind you at the end of the podcast, but get to thinking on what you want to ask Dave Kaplan about the Cubs or just Chicago sports here at the All-Star break because yeah. uh, we're going to be sitting down talking with them soon here. Yeah, he's a Cubs guy, but he's he, he can talk about just about anything. Tuned in with the White Sox. Obviously, he was a former basketball pro scout, so he knows he knows the NBA college game too. So he, he can talk just about everything. I'd like to get Capper's uh, – Mount Rushmore here. We might have to we might have to oh. carry over this uh, this Mount Rushmore into into the interview. I like that. I awesome. think we should get well, him in on that. Have some fun. We'll we'll get a true Chicago authorities. How and, much you uh, want to bet he says Lou Malnati's? Oh well, that's he's in the pocket. He's, <laughs> you know that's that's the, that's family business right there. So got to be loose. Got to be loose. All right, Matt. Well, that's mailbag. We're gonna hit a little buy or sell before we say goodbye to the people here. Um, Matt, I'll lead us off. Uh, sure. Buy or sell. Let's get back to the major leagues. Buy or sell, Aaron Judge finishes the season with 60-plus home runs. What's he at now, 30, 31? Sitting on, sitting on 30, I believe, at the break. Yeah, I, I'm going to sell. Um, I, okay. think he's, I think he might come close, but I think with younger guys like this, they tend to fall off a little bit. I think this is his first full major league season. And while he seems, you know, he's got that big body type, like a guy who might be able to withstand that, you know, late season, low fatigue, whatever. I think he's going to slide just a little bit. He's still going to have a great year. Still probably going to be the front runner for AL MVP. Excuse me. I'm going to say he finishes with about you know low low to mid fifties. Low to mid fifties. Low to mid fifties. I'd have to tend to agree with you on this one, just because another reason he's he's playing he's going to do the home run derby, and a lot of times you see 
a two, three week fatigue coming out of the home run derby, just that many swings on that type of stage. Uh-huh. Uh, you, that almost puts you behind the eight ball with your pace. If he's going to, he's going to have to stay on this exact pace. He is sitting with 30 home runs right now, but uh, I just hope that he does keep a similar pace so we can be captivated. By yeah. It so again. it's close. We need, so it comes we, down need to a six, we need a 60 home run hitter. We need another home run champ. And I think 60 is that benchmark that was set when we were young, that that's the number that, Wow, this guy's really doing something special. Not to scoff at fifty-five, but sixty is sixty. Sixty's always special. been kind of the you know the watermark, the weird, the Maris uh, Mantle number. That's, there you go. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. All right, but we're both selling on Judge hitting sixty. I, I think so. <laughs> Nonetheless, as much All as right. we want him to get there, I don't think yes. it happens. We're rooting for it. All right, Joe. Mine. Uh, we. I'm not sure if you. I'm sure you sure he probably saw it. Uh, Zach Randolph getting his number retired in Memphis by the Zebo. Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Never won a title, not really an all-time great talent, but he's an organizational, you know, icon. I think with the Grizzlies, he's kind of been there from the start. He's he's never really left. Um, Zach Randolph deserved to get your number, get his number retired. You buying or selling that? I mean, I guess you got to start somewhere in terms of retiring numbers. Who I'd like to see the numbers that the Grizzlies have retired, if any. I don't think Mark, they have any. Mark Gasol, like who? I don't like. Like who do they have retired? So I think this is just kind of like we want to put something in the rafters. I sell it. He's a career. Yeah, it's career. I'm looking at his numbers right now. Nine rebounds, sixteen points a game. I mean, they're good numbers. They're 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 really good numbers for a career, but. Uh, they're not num- they're not rafters numbers. I- I- I'm going to sell this. I mean, Zebo was fun to watch. He kind of really, really identified what that franchise was about for a long time. The grindhouse, they called it. He was he was the toughness that they embodied. So I understand what he means to that place. He doesn't necessarily have the numbers to do it, but I guess it's all about what your personal criteria is. For me, you got to have historic numbers, and I know we're, we're we live in a city where. The retired numbers are guys like like your Frank Thomases or most, yeah. most recently Mark Burleys, your Carlton Fisks, your Ernie Banks, your Ron Sanos, your Dan Hamptons, your Walter Paytons, your Singletary's like historic people here. We're lucky to have that. When you're talking about somewhere like Memphis, they don't have that. So I guess you got to start somewhere. Still going to sell on it. I. I th- <sighs> I kind of, I, I think I have the same exact sentiment as you. I just say I would buy it simply because, like you said, they do need to start somewhere. And while Zach Randolph's not getting his number retired, you know, with the Chicago Bulls or LA Lakers or anything, you know, anything like that, Memphis is a team that kind of needs to have that yes. icon going forward. He's getting towards the end of his career. He has meant so, you know, more to that franchise than anybody who's worn the jersey yet. I, I'm fine with it. I don't think I, I'm not sure if I'd have done that or made that decision, but I'm okay with it. But just again, just because you prop them up doesn't exalt them to some different level. You can only hold them in whatever reverence you hold them. Beware false idols, Matthew. May I, may I warn you to beware of false idols? Zach Randolph shouldn't have his number up there. I, I I understand you want to put a number up there, but I don't know who was the first Blackhawk. Pierre Palat, like that was deserved, or whoever the first one was. I, I'd assume that it was deserved. You understand? Again, it's a historic franchise that has had the luxury of having players like that. But just because you don't have one doesn't mean you deserve one. I don't know. I, we're both making kind of the same point here. I just I, think we yeah. tend to lean either, just on the opposite side of the fence here just ever so slightly. I, I, I think that you're right there. But um, nonetheless, Zach Randolph, he's going to have his number retired. All right, Joe, what, you, could, could you even tell me his number? 
Uh, 50. 50. I knew it was yeah. in the 50s. I thought it was 52 for some reason. But. No, it's 50. Come on, Joe. Well, I did, what, I did what my a, research. What a shame that these that these 18-year-olds coming out of the league coming into the league aren't going to be able to wear number 50 in Memphis anymore. Retire, I think that's retire, retire the whole – retire 50 to 59. Take them all for Zebo. Oh, God. Uh, well, Joe, you brought um, him up in the last your last answer here. Dan Hampton. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but Dan Hampton was running his mouth in the media. Love it. Uh, yeah. He, he's, he's good Fire at that. everybody. He's good at that. Oh, yeah. If, if, side note, if you ever get the chance during Bears season – Tune in to WGN Radio's Bears postgame show. Oh, it's it, it's, it's Hamp, Obi, and Kaz, with moderated it's, by it's, Mark Carmen. And I say moderated because he doesn't really run the show. He just kind of <laughs> just makes raises sure that no his one hand throws when hands. they he raises his yeah. hand when they need to go to break, and then they nod at him. I, I um, love it. Yeah, it, it's, Hampton is he's kind of my conscious during the football season. He's he like really my is. he's what I feel. It is the most meatball Bears podcast you could ever imagine. It's it's fan or not podcast radio show. It's, well, it's fantastic. Why don't you hit the fans here with the meatball statement that he made this week? All right, yeah, well, that that might make me think I know where you're going with this. But he <laughs> said, uh, I think it was with Pro Football Hall of Fame had an event or something like that. But uh, said in the media that had Cutler been the quarter the quarterback for that '85 core team, whatever, they'd have won four Super Bowls. Joe, you buy? I know we haven't we weren't alive around during the '85 era. Do you think that team? Wins multiple Super I won't say four, but multiple Super Bowls with Jay Cutler instead of uh, Jim McMahon? Well, with the way that that team's revered, they should have won four Super Bowls with Joe Romano at quarterback or with, with anyone at quarterback. No, shout out to Joe Romano, those, our high school quarterback. He'd have a little trouble but, staying over the line. <laughs> he might. But, you know, I hate these, I hate these types of these types of conversations, not conversations, but I hate these types of topics because you'll never have an answer to it. Yes, we are just hypothesizing, but I'm going to sell on it just because to win four Super Bowls in a decade is tough to do. I mean, just doesn't matter who you are or who's your quarterback. My thought process on this is I immediately went to, is this more of a shot at McMahon or a endorsement of Cutler? I believe it's more of a shot at McMahon. Grant, I haven't seen the full quote. Um, I've just kind of seen it secondhand through Twitter and all that stuff. But from what I've read a little bit, kind of heard, it, it seems like this is more of a shot at McMahon. I think this is it the first like time it. Hampton has had problems with McMahon. I know back in the day, if you watch that Bears 30 for 30 that they did, the defense and the offense didn't really get along. The defense always kind of thought you know, they didn't quite get the help they deserved from the offensive side of the ball. You know, McMahon was never really healthy. Um, that I, I, that's where I think this more stems from not so praising Jay, but I'll, I'll take it as a praise for Jay because I love Jay. Yeah, I think it's definitely a shot at McMahon, and I don't think anyone should be taking shots at Jim McMahon right now. I think there's a time and a place for everything, and you just need to let that man live at this point because uh, not a lot's going right for Jim McMahon lately is, is what, it, what it sounds like. So yeah. uh, for Hampton to take a shot like this, I think it's a little bit uh, unwarranted, but Matt, you said you wanted football in the news, so we got football. We got football in the news. It's another reason for us to actually talk a little bit about football, getting you know, maybe excited about Bears season a little bit. Oh, goodness. I Joe, think that's Joe, it. Were you on the Twitter this morning? Uh, I jumped around. Why? What's up? Did, did you see a friend, friend of the podcast, Mike Kraft, had a, had a fun tweet about the Bears this morning. Just happened to see it. I try and avoid that incoherence. But, so do um, I, but it just kind of it showed up on the What You Missed timeline. Apparently they thought I missed it. I didn't want to see it. But yeah. Mike Kraft said, just your daily reminder that uh, the Bears defense is going to be elite next year. Hashtag Super Bears. Hashtag Super Bowl. He makes me so mad. I know. Doesn't he? Okay, now I'm looking at his Twitter. Um, 
the previous tweet was, there we go, Cubbies, on June 29th with what looks like seven E's and five S's. So that's just kind of... It's kind of the, the content you're going you're gonna to get from that timeline. So uh, steer clear. Steer All, clear, listeners. Always always willing to find an opportunity to take a shot at a mic craft. Always. <laughs> all right, Matt, I got one more buy or sell for you. Um, with all the jostling that's going on in the NBA, it seems like the balance of power has gotten even more shifted to the Western Conference, even more than it was last year. Buy or sell, top 16 teams in the NBA should be in the playoffs, record-wise, regardless of conference. You know, the first time that somebody brought up this idea, probably a week or two ago, I was, my immediate reaction was like, no, why would you do that? That That's, you know, no, like, because it was different. But the more I think about it, the more I just, I absolutely love the idea. Um, yeah. I, I would so much rather see the 16 best teams go at it than Cleveland, you know, face a 40 and 42 or 35 and 45, whatever it is, Charlotte Hornets team in the first round and win each game, you know, sweep them for nothing, winning each game by 30. That, that, that doesn't make for good TV. And while mm-hmm. the first round matchups might not be great, I think you might have, I mean, the West obviously has the better teams, the more depth. You might actually see like a, a team like a Portland who actually is capable of getting hot, not beat, but give Cleveland a run for their money in a series. And when you get into that sort of situation, it's not going to be a cakewalk for whoever that one seed is in the East. That They might have a team from the West in the first yeah. round, just to the way things shake down. I think it would, not that the NBA needs any more excitement, but I think it would inject a little excitement into these teams and into these fan bases because I heard Mark Cuban talking about this a couple of days ago, and he made a great point that a lot of the smaller market teams are in the West. And this forces them to put good products on the court because their money's not guaranteed. In the East, you have your bigger markets like New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, where it doesn't matter how bad these teams are, people are going to the games. You're filling the stands. You're making your revenue. You're getting your nut as an owner. That's that's never going to be in doubt. Whereas these teams in the West have to put a good product on the court. Let's reward them for it. And yeah. maybe this imbalance would balance itself back out when owners in the East realize, hey, this isn't a free ticket. This isn't a free meal anymore. We got to put something on the court to make our teams better. We got to make the moves to make our teams better because that's the only way that we're going to make the playoffs and then make the playoff revenue. It, it kind of incentivizes everyone to work a little bit harder. Yeah, and uh, you actually said something there that I'm going to disagree with. You said the NBA doesn't need any more excitement, doesn't need any more you know, injection, whatever. I, I think their offseason doesn't. I think their regular season and playoffs yeah. absolutely do. And I yeah. think what this does, th- this would – at the very least, create first and second round matchups that are fresh that we haven't seen before. I, I don't need to see Cleveland beat Atlanta for the fifth straight year in the second round of the playoffs. I'd love to see Cleveland and you know Minnesota in a second round or Golden State maybe get Boston early on and give them a run. I, I think this would open things up for earlier round upsets and maybe the NBA Finals wouldn't end up being the matchup you wanted it to be. But I think overall it would create a more exciting product in the regular season and in the you know early rounds of the playoffs too, which it, it, it would prevent that. I don't care the NBA is irrelevant until the NBA Finals because that's yeah. what we're at right now. And I think this would at least go somewhere into changing that. You, you talked about Cuban. He also said, I think, yesterday that, you know, yeah, right now in the West we're rebuilding because we have to. But if we were in the East, we'd have an entirely different mindset. We'd be ready to compete. And I think yeah. that, that should, there shouldn't be that big of a you know, difference uh, between conferences. Yeah, that disparity in talent isn't uh, isn't helping the league and, and Cubes, per usual, making outstanding points. I think a shake-up could help things. Yeah, why not? Matt, 
we shook things up today. A, a, a little different rundown for the people. We had some fun. We talked. Uh, we talked Mount Rushmore. We we talked banana boats. Uh, a little bit of sports in there. Some cubbies. It was a good time talking with you. Uh, again, Dave Kaplan going to be on the podcast later this week. Next week. Pardon me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to shut us down here, Matt. You you got anything else for the people? I'm not. I'm looking forward to next week sitting down with Cap and uh, maybe finding out a little bit more about ourselves and our work time with him, not just the sports city. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Matt, uh, best of luck this week to you and the big bro. Uh, you know, give him give him good clubs, give him good yardages, and uh, have a good time down there. We'll, we'll we'll give you a report next week. Uh, I'll need one. I'll need one. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Moose and Runes podcast in week 11. Time is flying here. Like we said, Dave Kaplan of CSN Chicago and ESPN 1000 going to be on the podcast next week. If you have questions for Dave, tweet us today, tomorrow. We're going to sit down with Dave here in a couple days and uh, get his thoughts on all things Chicago sports. And as Matt said, maybe pick his brain about a couple other things. He gave both Matt and I our starts in this business. We both interned under him at CSN. Can't thank him enough for that, but uh, we're going to definitely put him over the coals here on the Moose and Rooms podcast, ask him a couple tough ones, and see where his head's at on Chicago sports and maybe on uh, Chicago-style beef. That's going to do it for week 11 of the Moose and Runes podcast. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Stay blessed, friends. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome.